Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. You are listening to episode 93. 93, 3 times um, 3 is three, 9. 3 times 9. There's sort of like a palindromic vibe to it. and mm, Yeah, I mean, not no, but yeah. Well, okay. If we had 33, would be a palindrome? We, yeah. Yes, it would Okay, be. and if you multiplied the first number by the second number, it would be... Three. Yeah, that's right. Times three. Yes. And it would be nine. And actually, Vince, <laughs> if you multiplied 33 by three, it would be 99. Right. Which is, this one's 93, though. Yeah, but then if you subtracted <laughs> three plus three oh, sure. from the 99, yes, it would be a 93. True. That's true. Finally. All right. God, you never I've understand come around me. on it. Jeez. Uh, no, I, I get it. I do get it now. You, I, you seem to be cutting me down. And... Cutting. Wow. Now that we said that word, our guest. Wow. I was going to say, well, that's just a dark path. She has a shears. She does. And she is a stylist, a hair artist. Yes. She's one who cuts. And that was the connection there. Was not a great segue. But I think there's something beautiful about our ability to acknowledge our shitty segues and 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 revel in them occasionally yes exactly yeah we were both super excited to have her on especially because she sort of uh pushes the uh lexicon of of ten thousand hours or the language with which we speak about creativity and about doing work and uh, i think she expands our knowledge base there and she's fucking such an artist within a specific niche oh see she certainly is uh, and a we specific were niche, a specific ca- <laughs> medium, uh, a specific ca- 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 canvas. Canvas. We were talking about canvas. Um, basically, how does the medium influence the art, and how does the artist influence the medium? We were talking to Whitney Vermeer, uh, who, as Grant said, was a is a hair artist. She's a stylist. She specializes in men's haircuts, and she is recently. Uh, struck out on her own Owner, operator, entrepreneur of uh, the aesthetic Ex Whitney Vermeer Exactly uh, We had a really enlightening conversation She had a lot of good insights uh, Just like we'd hoped she would And it was and it was also really fun She's charming, she's lovely, she's awesome She's a cool motherfucker She sure is As they say Speaking of cool motherfuckers, shouts out to Death the Stock for supporting this episode of the podcast. Uh, you may know I do a lot of work with Death the Stock, and I am a huge fan of the work we're doing and the work we are inspiring. Uh, it's uh, sort of a fuck stock platform. <laughs> it is. Death the Stock would not be super hyped. Like my homies, there would not be super super hyped about me saying it that way. <laughs> But but it really is. It's uh it's it's sort of about living a non-stock lifestyle. It's about bringing uh, a different aesthetic and an attitude to something that is uh, even useful. I would say stock photography. That was kind of where we started, but we're expanding in a bunch of different areas. And I'm really really proud of the, the stuff we're doing. I think it's genuinely dope, which is kind of a fun thing. <laughs> I feel. would agree. I would agree. And you work with dope people, so yeah, that's. Just part of do, it too. Do dope stuff with dope people. I think that's the pin tweet at the top of my Twitter. I'm not. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I don't. I think you're right. And follow me on Twitter at. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, Death to Stock. Yeah. And, and Grant for thank killing you. stock, for destroying exactly. stock, for <laughs> down with the evil, evil empire. Uh, thank you, Whitney Vermeer, for joining us and for the conversation. Uh, and thank you, listeners, for listening. This will be episode ninety-three. Three times nine. Nine three times three. three. Canvas. It's a muscle of it. even rolling yet we are but like oh no i want to just like i want to just like show notes that without any reference deal i'll put it in so vince grant this is i was saying this earlier as we fall started and and the practice run yeah yeah and the beauty of that is I love referencing things that the listeners can't hear. I love talking either visually, that's one favorite of mine, or about something we said off air that they couldn't possibly understand because you keep them outside of the joke, 
You make <laughs> keep them on the ropes. I mean, it's a foolproof way to have a really to engaging <laughs> audio experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing I like more than alienating people. So, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> as I was saying earlier, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. And actually, I like them all. So, they're all my favorites. This is so, what your top five parts of a four-part show. Yes, exactly. It's where we sit in the space between really trucking, really getting moving, and mm-hmm. I just kind of like mm-hmm. look over at you. I'm just like, hey, that's my pal Vin. The starting blocks, like when you're going to go for an Olympic oh, swim. Oh, God. You're like poised. I you're was just picturing waiting. track. I'm an old track guy. Mm, what'd he, you run? What'd you run? I, I ran them all. I ran, dude, I, okay, let me do a quick aside, and then I'm going to have a really oh, good question right. for you. Quick aside. State track meet, I must have been 13, and I ran the 200, the 400, and then my final race was the 800, and the 800 was actually my race. And the, like, second, or, the, okay, so the top two going in were me and this other guy, I don't know his name, but we both had, like, I want to say, like, let's say it was, like, a 2.30 or something was our time. I don't actually know. We ran so fucking hard when we were paired up against each other because we hadn't faced any competition like that all year and we got to the end he lunged beat me at the very end and we were like 12 seconds faster than either of our times which were some of the best in the nation at the time wow and then here's the punchline for me is i stood up and i was completely exhausted and i just puked everywhere <laughs> all over the track and they had to like delay the next uh, race while well, awesome. they got the squeegees out that's a great story what a great illustration of how <laughs> circumstances can drive you to, to achieve even greater than you thought you could. it is pretty cool now the question that Please. i have for you vin what are you working on what are you putting your time into well i'm glad you asked i have a familiar answer i'm 40 hours a week on xl energy uh which is a new client at yamamoto well they're not that new anymore a couple months now uh, they are actually a joy to work with. Oh, nice. So it's been great, but it's been <laughs> They extremely... sent me a check for $12 two days ago. No must kidding. must overpaid on something. <laughs> well, hey, maybe I'll get to the bottom of it. Let's see if we can't get those $12 <laughs> checks rolling in a little more regularly, Grant. <laughs> and that's why we did the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, besides that, the best of episode for these Don't parts uh, goes up on this latest Friday. So uh, moving on, Grant. We're not going to address it. What have you been putting your time into recently? What have you been working on? Mm, I just got back from Atlanta where I was at friend of the show, Bear Brooks wedding. The only two-time guest on the podcast. Yes. So far. So far. Uh, that was great. And besides that, I'm just gearing up. I'm going on tour here. When this goes live, I'll be on tour for a couple weeks with it's... Gallant. Gallant and Zoo. Gallant and Zoo. Wild. Two amazing artists yeah totally i'm actually very jealous i've told you this before but i'm a fan of both of theirs yeah they're great they're before great. you even ever spoke of them and that's fun great artists totally so there's like a lot of prep a lot of prep that goes into just like you know not gonna be here for a little while so i gotta get all the <laughs> things and i have a job to do so yep mostly that but we have a string of of apps we're recording here on the home front not which to I'm tip actually the excited. hand but one tonight and two tomorrow night Woo! What a roster. That, that is great. And we're kicking it off in style, in true style. In, in style. Like, literally, figuratively, you know, that's word. Check play. them all. Touch them all. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have an in-studio guest tonight, somebody who I've been really excited to have on for a while. Uh, it took us a little bit to schedule, and it just built up the anticipation. Um, so the Minneapolis homestand, we've got three Minneapolis guests on the roster, the first of which is my current stylist. I think that's accurate. Okay, she's giving yeah, me the approval. We'll okay, it. okay. <laughs> well, she's she has high standards. So I'm not sure if I'm like quite on her roster yet. But my current stylist and someone who, as I said <laughs> earlier, and I will say again, it approaches her work with so much artistry. And what's really interesting to me is I've never heard someone talk about hair or about styling in the same way that she does. So I've been really excited to have her on. So Whitney Vermeer, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on too. Grant floated the idea 
months ago. Yeah, months ago. A couple months ago, something. Uh, and I was instantly so excited oh, for yeah. it. Our goal was to have people who brought artistry and you know innovation and inventfulness and intention. and passion and intention karate to and <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to different like. To professions that weren't in the same, you know, yeah. general real house of design and you know art and writing and yes, etc. Yes. I mean, as an as a writer, we're boring as fuck, right? <laughs> no, but truly, <laughs> but truly, it is great to have a, a variety of perspectives, yeah. and that's why I'm very excited. Like visually, I'm picturing the show, and like all our ambition is like a really wide like this like these little nodes that go off, and I feel like this really pushes us in another direction. So it's like so awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for joining yes, us. Perhaps. And uh, yeah, you have a question for her. I sure do. Whitney, Perfect. could you be so kind as to tell us what you've been putting your time into recently? I feel like I've been putting my time into a little bit of everything lately. Um, so I just recently, well, just a few weeks ago, I have been since last August planning on my new collaborative space, um, The Aesthetic by Whitney Vermeer. But in salon world, it's really hard to, I mean, say that you're going to be leaving a job. So I had to be Ah. pretty on the DL about it. This is kind of like an agency world, right, Vin? Oh, you're fired on the spot. For sure. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I knew it was coming up. I was waiting for some stuff to go through. And like, <laughs> I was supposed to fly to LA the next week to teach a class for L'Oreal. And I got a call like the week of, and they wanted me to fly out to Coachella and cut hair there first. Well, and I was back, like, well, I know that they wouldn't let me leave to yeah. go do the event. So I put in my notice, left work at like 8.30 at night, stuck shelves the next morning, got on the plane. Oh, you went to Coachella? Went to Coachella, cut hair, Fuck yeah. taught the class, came back and opened up my Ooh, space. Ooh, girl. Damn. Nice. Yeah. So I have the space. I work for Baxter of California. Um, for That's owned by L'Oreal, so I teach for them. And then I also work for a sheer company as a platform artist. And then I do like some editorial stuff and um, consulting for like agencies and fresh faces. All that stuff. That's uh, <laughs> the nuance of that industry. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things you mentioned, I didn't really have any idea what they they meant. Well, uh, shears or the scissors, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Catching right. Up, catching so up. basically, not only do you have your own personal space and endeavor now, but you also are in partnership with some style and beauty brands that are pretty iconic. Correct. So um, I basically, for those brands, I like teach about not only the product or whatever. Also, I teach like men's advanced haircutting because there's a lot of knowledge gap out there. Perhaps a good place to start, Ivan. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a, an even better place to start is to, to backtrack just a little bit well, yeah. and talk about the topic at hand, which is canvas. So that's what first like intrigued me when I say... Whitney approaches hair with artistry in a way that I haven't really discovered before or heard. Um, And there are a lot of like different canvases, different mediums. uh, And I think we're most interested in just exploring what that means for you specifically with hair or with that industry, which of course is maybe broader than just hair even or, or our understanding of it. Cause that's, that is like a lot of, Things I was talking to Vince earlier too. I was saying I've been watching a lot of Chef's Table recently, and it's the same idea. It's like the height of artistry within any industry, and Chef's Table is a great example of that. I would say, at least to me, you're like the Chef's Table of hair. To I mean, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there was a comment. It was. <laughs> I mean, it's we we love exploring people who push their artistry to the limits. But in conventional art, there's a lot of kind of predictable or at least culturally uh, normative ways that people understand how that works with an Mm -hmm. artist or a sculptor or a writer. I don't think the average layperson understands what it's like to push hair artistry to its creative zenith. Especially men's hair. So I guess (laughs) let's start with that. Tell us about men's hair. Tell us about why there's a knowledge gap and tell us how you bring artistry to that specific craft. Well, thank you. Um, so specifically, 
I guess what's really interesting is um, just backtracking to like how I even Please. got into doing yeah, hair. Let's, let's take a step back. Um, I was in school for marketing business, like just going to college because I felt like I sh- that's what I should do. Um, sure. So I was there hanging out, minding my own business. And um, my grandma came to visit me and she was asking me about like how school was. And I was like, well, I hate it, to be honest. And she suggested that I go to hair school. Well, being from Iowa, the whole thing about like if you go to hair school, it's like you were too stupid for college. Yeah. It's like it's got this huge stigma. So like me being a Leo and being like super prideful, I'm like, I don't think that I can do that. Like I'll never make money. I'll be a beautician. You know, like yeah. a, mm-hmm. it's funny because my girlfriend's mom calls me a beauty operator, like till this day. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> so um, but I and went we'll, and we'll send her this. Yeah. Clip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I went and I went to the hair school, visited it, but I definitely like fell for it instantly. But when I really fell for it was when I went to my first hair show and the hairstylists were on stage and there was like music and it was like runway and it was crazy. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So I started in hair school doing everything from cut, color, men, women. I even did like some spa services because I felt like I should, whatever. True. And then after a while, I kind of started to get bored. It was a lot of like long layers and like blonde highlights. I was like, oh my God, if I get like another basic girl in my chair, like I can't <laughs> live like this. <laughs> So then um, I moved to Minneapolis and I... What's the year looking like here? Just curious. So this was four years ago. Okay. So I started kind of at this one salon, which was a disaster. Shelby I won't even get into that. It was like a Devil Wears Prada type situation. We will not show notes that. <laughs> well, you know. Anyways. <laughs> Side note, you were like doing the perfect like basic emoji there yeah. <laughs> as you talk about this. Yeah, okay. Basically. Yeah. Hand under the chin, uh, just real. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. And scene. Yeah. So then, <laughs> oh, wow. so then um, I there was this space that I kept driving past, and it said men's department on it. And I thought for sure it was like a clothing store. I never thought anything of it. And then um, I had heard that it was a salon. I looked it up, and I like researched the guy that owned it, and it turned out that he was like this guy that um, started like American Crew. Like he wrote all the men's curriculum for Aveda. He was like a world-renowned, like, men's hairdresser. So I went in there. And keep in mind, like, when I went to hair school, we learned how to cut with, like, plastic guards. So, like, a two on the side or whatever like that. So that's all I had ever cut, like, the most basic Basic, way ever. So going in there, um, long story short, I basically, like, begged him for an interview. And he handed me a DVD, and it was, like... (laughs) Him, like, it was one of his haircutting videos, and it was, like, using just a blade, no guards, like, so it's completely freehand, a fade, which I had never done before, and told me to come back the next day and do it, and I was like, oh, my God, like, I have no skill set in this. I didn't know any guys, like, at all in Minneapolis, and I came back the next day, and I did it, and he, like, was telling me, like, he still had a couple of people to interview, and I was like, listen... I just like cut him off. I was like, <laughs> Miss Leo, <laughs> I uh, am going to work my ass off for you. I'm going to work harder than anyone ever has. Like, I promise you that if you give me this job, like I'll go for it. And he totally gave me the job on the spot. And I knew that it was going to change my life. And it did. So he taught me essentially how to cut freehand, like with just a blade, like, and instead of switching to different numbers, adjusting someone's head shape to build weight and take weight away. Um, So, like, this really purest way of cutting hair. And once I learned, like, the architecture behind it and the science and that I could nerd out on something and perfect something, that's when I fell for it. So it was just kind of fate. And it was right when nobody was really doing that yet either. So that's super interesting to me and I think is, in a lot of ways, the at least initial epitome of this conversation, which is artistry a lot of times is an attitude and a work ethic or a passion. And whatever you apply that to, you can apply the same level of art or at least the same amount of passion. But 
for me, man, it's like that could be anything. It's not currently cutting hair or not currently the shape or the, you know, the discipline that you're doing. But I feel like I have the same nerd out. Like nerd out is a great term there because it is just like obsession, right? It's like, totally. oh yeah, I can, I have like a obsessive compulsive and I'm going to like apply that to this now. Totally. Because it's beautiful. It's incredible. There's some obsessive element in all art, right? There has Absolutely. to be. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I just find it really interesting. You mentioned it was fate, but I, I don't know how much that I agree with that per se, not to rewrite your own story, but right. it sounds like you were extremely active in determining your own path here. Not only did you make a hard internal decision in leaving college, which you had to fight with, it was conflicting internally, mm-hmm. to go to, to hair school, but then you had to be very active in how you pursued your first career opportunity. Right. I don't know how, how fate-driven that was. That sounds like it yeah. was Whitney-driven. A Whitney little driven. bit, but like the thing that was interesting is, first off, I never thought I would be a hairstylist. I never was like one of those girls that like, I didn't even like do my own hair. I didn't even know how to curl my own hair until I went to hair school, That's to tell the truth. so bizarre. I still don't even blow dry my hair because I hate doing it. Yeah. So, but like the thing is, is like I always just, it was like personality-driven. I always liked male personalities more than female, probably because I have two sisters and a girlfriend, so I'm like good on that. Um, <laughs> two sisters and a girlfriend. Yeah, so I'm good on that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I knew that I liked it. I just knew that, like, whatever I was doing, I was like, I was bored with. I needed a challenge. So yeah, a little bit more. I kind of pushed it that way. That's like a classic. I think not. Ju- well, I was gonna say high achieving personality, but it is kind of like. Uh, you you call it fate because it's like what happened. It's the same. It's the same attitude that will survive or succeed, uh, no matter what. Because it's like, oh yeah, I will just find a way. And so then you look behind you and you're like, oh yeah, it was fate. I found of, a of way. Of course, of yeah. course, of course. But so you mentioned that you you sought out the challenge. Let's get into the technical details a little bit. I I would love to explore the canvas in specific for at least a little while. What are the challenges of cutting hair for men, for doing male hair artistry, and for working with male personalities? Well, I think um, starting with, like, the personality, but just because, like, that's what gets them in the door. Um, the thing that's really interesting, and especially we're seeing it now more often, is there's this, like, misconception that guys don't care about their hair. And they want that, like, $10 haircut, and they want it, like, fast and impersonal. That's not necessarily the truth. I think guys are just becoming more comfortable for Mm. feeling like they deserve that and feeling like they can pamper themselves and make time for themselves and they don't feel stupid asking questions. So I think like that has just changed like tremendously um, just in general. And then from like an architectural standpoint, you know, it kind of goes back to like the whole like golden mean, like. Ooh. Everybody has talking my language. Yeah, yeah, I knew yeah, you'd yeah, appreciate yeah. that. I'm a big fan of golden mean. Um. Oh, you mean okay? So like the golden ratio. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking of like the golden mean, like the third way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like I'm the, actually no, the I'm rule actually of not. Thirds. No, 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 you're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Golden ratio. I was thinking of like golden mean, like in a Buddhist sense, which is like the third way is always the correct way. But yes, but golden it is ratio. Based off I that fuck too. with. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Go that. on. Go on. Go on. Was there more? So here? Sorry. The idea is just in general, everybody has an ideal style that looks correct on them. Hmm. So, um, meaning that like. Your eye looks at something and you find it aesthetically pleasing, but you don't know why. Mm. So generally, like when I cut someone's hair, the whole bottom half of the head, I'll cut it all different lengths to, you know, fix like bone structure and things like that. But when people look at it, they can't tell. But from the technical standpoint, I've totally cut it completely different. Mm -hmm. So I'll a lot of the time have like where somebody has like a flat occipital bone in the back of their head and I have to like build a bone in there so that their profile looks like it fits within the golden ratio. Mm. So I fuck with that. I also really fuck with the idea of not knowing 
but you can feel. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a very principal idea of like design Intuition. work, of design work and video. Well, I mean, of all creative work or like visual aesthetic work that I think I do, which is people don't know exactly what's wrong with something, mm-hmm. but they can tell when it's not right. And that, exactly. that, so, so that to me is having that as your bar and I'm now indicating a, a physical bar. He's with his arm, he's holding <laughs> yeah, it up. I'm reaching up. But having that as your your arbiter for success is is a totally different mindset, I think, than most people have. Because it's not like you're trying to please anyone besides everyone. So, yeah, so right. it's like you are fighting against intuition and nature. and Not fighting against, you're trying to please. So I think that's like a, a much higher goal and... It's almost I like I appreciate that more because there's no bullshit involved in that. It is literally like and of course there's like subjectivity and there's like a spectrum, mm-hmm. but it's like no, I'm not doing this for you because you think no, I'm doing this for like what the intuition says and feels about this aesthetic. Right. And like the thing that I even say like when I do education stuff is it's like people do it all the time. They make decisions that they know are aesthetically pleasing stylists do. But unless you know the science behind why, you can't educate people on it. You mm. have to know the science why people choose that. I mean, it's a, it's a fact that people prefer a 3 by 5 shape. It's a fact yeah, that yeah. it's more aesthetically pleasing. But unless you can explain that to people, you can't teach them how to cut hair. And that has always been the hardest part for me because I had an apprentice at my last space and I was teaching him how to do something, and he kept on doing it wrong. And I was like, why is he doing this wrong? And then it clicked for me, and I thought to myself, he doesn't have a design eye. He can't see proportion. Mm-hmm. He just can't see it. Dude, this is so dude. <laughs> this is so applicable, though, to all sorts of disciplines. It is like foundation and philosophy. I mean, you say science. I think – I mean, there is scientific elements to it, but it is philosophy. It's like mm-hmm. aesthetic and creative philosophy. And this is even why I think we talk about this shit so much is because that stuff is really important, especially as you like dig into the deeper levels of any art is like you don't need to like overanalyze everything. But if you're not coming from a sound philosophical place for your creation, Mm -hmm. then I think like there's like much easier to go astray. And I'm doing lots of physical. You're all like you're very gesticulative. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is like, it's really good that we're starting to dig into this because when the conversation is about canvas, we can be very literal about it too, Mm -hmm. because you need to understand the physical properties of your canvas to art upon it most effectively. I love that verb usage of art. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So uh, it, it really is sort of eye opening. It seems like it makes all the sense in the world now that you say it. But it's eye-opening just how mathematical and scientific and philosophical the very beginnings of your approach are. I would like to parlay this into a question. You mentioned that every person has an ideal style that looks best on them. So a lot of your art is unlocking someone's highest potential within them. Hmm. But... How do you bring your own or do you bring your own personal flair, style, taste, signature to the work that you do? Well, I think part of the thing that brings that is the fact that nobody does that because it's the truth. Like the thing is, is anybody can go on YouTube and learn how to do a fade, right? But unless you know how to put the proportions on the person correctly, like how that fade like lays on their head... You don't know how the to make it. Same perfect. exact principle applies for so, like with design, with music production. I could go learn how Flume does X drop or X thing, but like unless you have a foundation of your own and you're, th- that's just technical sort of. I don't want to say copycat, but it is just like if you want to be a creator and creating from like an innovative and like a new place, you need to have a foundation. Right. And I think, too, like specifically with men's haircutting, because it is far more sculpting, it's more like taking sandpaper and like, you know, smoothing things out. It is so interesting to me, just like how many people like don't grasp that. So I feel like just the fact that I do like take the time to get all the little shadows out within the bone structure 
those details are what make it, even though it's different lengths, it appears seamless. So I think that alone is like a flare. It's just more or less just stepping it up a notch. A freak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the best way. <laughs> that is like uh it's it reminds me of I mean when you talk about things when it comes to to hair artistry, I consider myself someone who cares about his hair. You a do, lot, man. I can but confirm. But it's like these are f- totally foreign concepts to me. So it's clear that there's a, a leveling up that I can do as a as a person who cares about his hair too. And you do have great hair in general, right? You do. Yeah. You have very nice hair. Oh, wow. Uh, that actually means a lot. Both coming. of you guys do. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I didn't even need that. But, so, thank, but thanks. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to say it. Your time on the show is done now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. No, um, <laughs> and here's your money. <laughs> this is just really interesting. What is an artistic element? And you've you've highlighted some of these ideas already. But of your craft that you don't think uh, a person outside of the industry whatever imagine or understand i just think in general and i even get this from other hairstylists in fact i was like on stage like doing this haircut for hattori hanzo the sheer company that i work for and afterwards this girl sends me a um facebook message and she didn't mean to come off rude but she was like i never cut men's hair because it's not creative but The next day, somebody came in and asked for that haircut. So I'm going to work on my men's business. Like, thanks for teaching it. And I'm just like, you just didn't even, you didn't even grasp it. And then sometimes I have to remind myself that like to come down like 10,000 feet because I get so excited. I'm talking like way up here and then I just like lose people. Yeah. But um, I think just in general, like in my industry with random people all the time, I get do you just cut men's hair because it's easy? All the time. Seriously, Crazy. all the time. And people will say that in my chair. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, you must not know about me. Yeah, well, I was oh, going to say, I would, put you here? I could Why never possibly <laughs> say that. How did you get here? Yeah. And you'll be going now. Uh, but and I'm I'm glad you brought it out, though, because that is, I would say that is a, a fairly common point of view in the, in the normal populace. Mm-hmm. Totally. But it's actually like the complete opposite from cutting women's hair. Because you can hide anything in it. But when it's short and it's to the bone structure, you can see every single layer in it. So I can pick out, like, I mean, if I go to, like, a Twins game, I'm, like, just staring at hair. (laughs) I can't help myself. But it's Uh, like you can just pick out every hair. Okay, this is an interesting thing. This is an interesting thing to me. Like... When you say that, there are so many parallels with all the stuff. Like, we're just talking about creativity. We're talking about, like, design, aesthetic. But, like, one of the things I say when, uh, or, like, if if someone's interested in getting into creative work, into design, into whatever, is, like, step one is really just, like, cultivating, cultivating taste or aesthetic, but cultivating observation. And that is, you can, like, especially if you're, like, really into your work and like obsessive you can be doing that at all times with design the example i would give is like once you start noticing design it's fucking everywhere it's like on the street signs it's on your menus it's on your phone it's like you can't avoid it clothes yeah yeah it's on your arm and that's beautiful to me like i love that like that's like you know at first intimidating at second like liberating but you clearly do that or did you was that a thing you went through as you started getting into that was just noticing everywhere i think yeah that's a big part of it i just started becoming like obsessive over stuff like even in my space when i was like having stuff designed i'm like i'm such a freak about really clean lines i'm like nothing circular like not a circle table (laughs) at all i was like panicking about it because i just love everything to be like really clean straight lines and i think that's part of like your childhood (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. Sit on this no. couch. <laughs> uh, no, it's just like part of like, I just, I love clean design, yeah. you know, and I love architecture and I could nerd out on pretty much Ooh. anything scientific, like whatsoever. All I'm thinking right now is I have a sensation sometimes, like I know on a project or like, especially in a video, but or in a design, like when something's off, if I like don't fix it, like, 
I'll just fucking, you know, I'll freak out. You must deal with that with like hair with like, Oh, totally. Yeah. You're like, I need like, it's just going to bug you. Right. Well, it's so funny because it's like, thank God I have a time limit. Cause I could seriously like fuck around with a haircut for like two hours. I would just, and I would just be doing nothing but just refining it over and over and over again. So this brings up a really, the the next point that I was hoping to get to. So it's good that it happened this way. But you're, when we're talking about canvas, you have an added dimension to your canvas in that it's attached to a human being who has temperances, they have preferences, they have preconceived notions, and they have taste of their own and i'm sure a lot of them for good reason trust you implicitly to give them the best style but you have to either earlier in your career or still deal with some level of pushback be it patience related something really simple or taste related something more complex and nuanced how do you deal with that um well i will say like i love just in general as a person i love troubleshooting like Mm. i'm totally a problem solver so like I like doing, like, different things and changing things, but I will say, like, for instance, here's, like, a big thing for me. If somebody wants me to square off their neckline and put a line across the back, I actually refuse to do it, and I won't do it <laughs> because I'm. it's not natural. It makes their neck look fat, and it makes a haircut look cheap. I actually have had people, like, can you just do it? Can you just do it? I won't do it, and if you want that, then I'm not the stylist for you. It's totally a dick move, but I just don't do it. I don't do haircuts I don't want to do. You say dick move, (laughs) I hear commitment to artistry and not wanting to compromise your product, which makes complete sense to me. Yeah. It's like it's got my name on it. So it's like. The irony, the thing you were getting at from the get go is like the comparison would be designing a logo or something. It's like it is representative of them, but it. But this is so literally attached to them. It's just, it is. It's very, very literal. Yeah, it's yeah. just so funny. But I fucking respect it so much. I mean, I'm about it. Same. <laughs> is there is there a level of compromise, or do you does your commitment to the art and your pedigree, if I'm not over speaking, I don't think you are. Does that allow you to say that on basically all requests, or are you collaborative with the person to some extent, bearing in mind that every person has an ideal style. Definitely. Um, So one of the things that is interesting is, in a way, I curated my clients, to be honest. And I think once I kind of, like, said my resume, it was, like, literally, like, do whatever you want. And my clients always let me do whatever I want. They might ask me a question and say, should I do this? Or, you know, I get to the deeper level, like, somebody will show me, okay, for instance, at this guy. Traveled four and a half hours to get a haircut. Whoa. He was growing his hair out. He was like, I really want to do a man bun. Yeah. I really, really, really want to do one. And I'm like, okay, well, you hate your hairline because he had receding hairline and he hated his ears. So what do you think that accent? So I pulled it back. I was like, what do you think this accentuates? Mm. And then it clicked for him. And he was like, I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Client education. And same with like. Another client of mine who he wouldn't let me give him a fade, even though it would look great on him because he thought he had big ears. And I told him, I was like, I promise you don't. I bet you somebody told you that when you were little. And he's like, yeah, somebody in the seventh grade told me that. I had big ears. <laughs> wow. And so he finally let me do it. And he's gotten that ever since. Sensational. I mean, th- um, that is the thing, though, right? I mean, raising that, the level the of discourse well, with and, your clients. Uh, yeah. And, and hoping and like trusting them and. Yeah. The mutual trust is such a huge thing. Typically, it's only a two-way relationship between artist and audience. But when the conversation has to be audience, artist, and canvas participating in the conversation, that has to be an added level of complication. But it sounds like you have an approach that really does work. I think so. And I will say, like, one of the things that I see happen all the time and this drives me nuts is like people will do what they kind of want to do on their clients even though like the client Uh, wants something different and then mm. afterwards it's not even like i'm doing this because of this and afterwards i watch them try to like sell the haircut before the person leaves and it's like 
You just should have done it right the first time. Ugh, there's so many fucking parallels with logo design stuff. But, 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 like with logo stuff, it's like, okay, well, we could throw it away. With hair, yeah. it's like, you're reducing. That's on your body. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I respect that in a lot of ways more than. Deeply. You know, yeah. Deeply respect. Uh, I'm, I'm very educated also. I hope you know that even this conversation has been very enlightening. Ah, uh, yes. Educated me, by the conversation. Yes. Exactly. Okay. I'm a learned man. <laughs> I know many things. I went to university. I... Right. I know this conversation has educated me. It's been supremely interesting, just as I hoped it would be given the nature of the conversation. I was going to ask you to rate it like on a shears, like a... What, what, here's the question. Would the shears be, would the lowest, uh, se- excuse me, not the shears, the, uh, clipper. Clipper. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing hand gestures yes. and shears. I thought that was a weird hand gesture. I didn't know where that was going for it a second. It felt a bit aggressive. This yeah. Was, this is all the way felt down. felt like I was like me. scooping grain. Yes. And, uh, That's not how you do it. I don't think. Okay. <laughs> Either way. So yeah, this was like a one. No, in the good way. Right. Cause it's the shortest. Yeah. No, the I best. I mean, this no, would be like. It was like a six. No, wait. Is that the best? I mean, we're gonna, we're it's gonna not get a like new about like system. them being better. Uh, yeah, it's not about height. It's not about like whether it's longer or shorter. It's about what's right for the head. Right. And Vince, this we hit your head perfect. It was like <laughs> yes. a three on the sides. No, exactly. two on the three on the sides. Uh, I don't it's even grown speak out that for language. Like yeah, me either. I don't. I don't either. I just yeah, was like, I don't know. I just so assess I was it based off like. If somebody tells me, like, oh, I get a number two, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. I totally fake that I know what they're talking yeah. about. Ha, ha, ha. You karate chop them in the neck. But I'm like, you cut I just their asked hair them how long it's been since the haircut because I know that hair grows a half an inch. That would month. actually be the badass move. So then I just, move. like, reduce it by that. You should consider doing this where you, like, especially for first-time clients who are, like, stupid. Like, who, who excuse me, who don't know Have that you, you know. educated. Yeah, they yeah. don't know that you know. You should just knock them out or, like, roofie them, cut their hair. And then they wake up and it's like, that sounds like a, you're such you a go. bad business proposition. You're committing I mean, a felony every time a customer comes to the desk. Uh, I'd try it. That's try right. anything once. Yeah. Artistry Respect. cannot be grown without testing the limits, without yeah. bending the rules. Oh, uh, so it up. wise. Okay. I do have something I do want to talk about, Vince. I'm uh, excited. Cool. So we shall see we shall see the sheer length no the clipper length of your answers and I'll judge those at the end but you know you're talking about popping out to Coachella and like traveling and teaching and all these things and I just got back from a trip and I'm thinking about this especially now as I'm about to go on kind of an intense like you know 15-16 day journey where like your systems are very very important I think for traveling and I, I mean, in general, travel systems are important and in in general, general systems are important. We don't have to go down that (laughs) too far, Uh but my question to you guys and this week's off topic topic, I'm not going to say travel hacks because that would, (laughs) that would feel a little bit, not even pandery. It would just feel shitty. A little disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah. But let's call it travel moves, (laughs) travel moves. What are your, like, how do you, your travel nuances, quirks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, how do you like, travel? Like, what's a, what's a system? Maybe travel systems could be a thing, but, like, yeah. I'm kind of looking for, like, I don't want to call it a hack, but, like, a life <laughs> hack. Tips and tricks? A life, a life <laughs> hack in travel form. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> what are your T's and T's? Your tips and tricks in the travel space. So, Whitney. like, Whitney. Okay. Where do you put, where do you put your shears? No, okay, like, do how do you travel? Yeah, yeah, how do you travel? You got some travel systems. You got like, I just got new luggage side note, but we'll get into that. I'm sure we'll get into that. Well, that sounds exciting. Thank you. I'm ex- um, I'm, I am excited. So the thing that is kind of shitty is I can't carry on my shares. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and because it's like terrorism. totally, yeah, I mean, I get it, right? I mean, I don't sense. actually, but I, okay, I get it in the abstract. But, but it's yeah. like, my shares are like, I mean, my like thousands of dollars like yeah they're like your so, camera they're like your phallus. oh my they're god like your... and like my biggest fear is like showing up for a class and then like my shit isn't on the plane and then i have to use somebody's shitty stuff in a class to demonstrate my haircut just looks like 
great clipsy like great clipsy is, would not be good it there goes our great good. clip sponsorship right yeah. out oh, the window shit. sorry about that, <laughs> sorry about that. yeah no, but it's, it's true but it's true the instrument is the music in a lot of ways for sure I mean that's why when I travel I travel with my camera or like when I, uh, in my carry on because right. it freaks me out for it to not I've be. even thought about like shipping mine overnight like and yeah. like and getting that it there sense. like so that it's there at the hotel when I get there I mean that does make a lot of sense so yeah. weird it's so stupid it's like Fucking scissors. Hey, there is there's a part of I mean, now I'm just going back to the topic, but that's a canvas specific problem. A For canvas sure. specific challenge. When you travel and I'm assuming you travel a, a decent amount, right? Right. Yeah. Wow. And this is specific even to the like going on tour is like, okay, how do you organize your things? Like for me with like photo stuff, it's like, cause I have several cameras. It's like, I need them to be readily accessible. Like wh- what am I shooting? Like where, you know, I just have to have, like have all those things set or that's like part of the craft as totally. you know. And we didn't even dig into like, like entrepreneurship, which is a kind of a whole nother thing, but that's like another nuance you're exploring. But we're talking about travel. We're not talking about the not, topic. Not the topic at hand. It's the off topic topic. Vinny, talk to me a little bit about travel. I know you've, you've done a bit of travel. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like Salt Lake. You've done some Chicago. Yeah, Chicago a, a bunch of times, both in air and on ground. I've been out to the East Coast a few times. New York a couple times. California a couple times. But You'll be traveling again soon, word on the street is, for a commercial shoot. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, I haven't made this uh, front page news yet, but... I'll be going out to LA for a commercial shoot. You motherfucker. I'm excited for have it. Have you been? Nope. I, Holy shit. On a commercial shoot, I have been to LA. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, right, obviously. With me? Yeah, you and I. On well, a road trip. Awkward. Oh, yes. Okay, okay, okay. okay. We, we didn't fly together. I though. was like mortified for a second. I was like, what that, the got fuck? that got that weird. That did get weird. But but it, was, we didn't I, really travel. I mean, I've been, really LA-ing, I've been LA pretty like heavily, so I feel like I was like, what? What? But, but, huh? what? Yes. Oops, yeah. 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 We did. Scratch. We did. We went through. Creators LA. go west. Yes. Four, three years. Four, four, four years ago now. Four? Yeah, I think so. Fuck. I know. Uh, so when I travel, <laughs> I, I mean, I travel with some degree of frequency, but I don't do it habitually. Like I think you two, I would say, are habitual travelers. You travel for your careers. Uh, I don't really do that, about to, but I don't really. I like to make it kind of an event, especially if I'm traveling with someone. But even if I'm traveling alone, I like to go early. I like to go to the airport bar. I like to have a physical hard copy book. I typically am an e-reader guy because it's really convenient. But I do, I like to be, I like to feel like a traveler. Because I get, I don't have to deal with having to do it all the time. Like, I don't look down on people who just want to be super efficient and get through the TSA line and get to their boarding area. Like, I totally get that. But I like to savor it a bit, frankly. Even if it's early in the morning, I'll just get coffee instead of booze because I don't have a problem. But I like, <laughs> I like, uh, I'll hang. <laughs> well, you really not planted that to, fucking in there. Not to, <laughs> not to, like, cast suspicions, actually. But I just like to, to revel in it. It reminds me of Fuck a simpler time that I didn't even like live through. It's nostalgia that I didn't. It's phantom nostalgia for the Pan Am days when people would really like care about traveling. It was an event in and of itself. Wow, that was lovely. Wow, that was Thanks. beautiful. I, I do think Thanks. I'm maybe in between there. In that, like, I travel a lot, but I love the ritual of it, which is kind of what you're talking about, and that's why I go very early. And I've like from my perspective in a very lucky way created this context with travel in that I work like I'm very productive when I'm traveling because Mm -hmm. I sort of had to be especially like earlier in anything because like I couldn't afford to not be working really hard and so now when I'm traveling I'm very productive like because I'm so in that zone like my mind just goes back to that I mean I'm sure there are like a lot of similarities with any of the stuff you do Winnie with like you set someone in the chat, right? It's just that it's the ritual of the work. Totally. And so I actually have a really strong context with travel, with working. That's exceptional. That I don't think that is necessarily the norm by any stretch of the imagination. I would imagine no. I think most, and not in any sort of judgmental way, the reality though of most travel, like in travel habits are 
entertainment based and like let me get through but exactly I'm like, exactly and, and as, as you were sort of saying like let me savor because it's and to me it's the same savoring or a similar savoring of like oh i love this i love that i'm traveling and but i'm just like hyped to be doing it especially because i'm usually traveling for pleasure setting the tone in a positive way like being late to the airport is not the the emotional or atmospheric context you want to start your trip no not the, at all it's the same thing we with anything like I fear stress from being late or from like having to stress about getting in there so much that I go so early to all things. I I was in Atlanta this weekend and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the airport at like eight or something. And Sean was like, my, the homie I was staying with, he was like, oh yeah, your flight's at 11. I mean, and even that is like not even, that's not extreme for me. That is that sounds just about right. That's about the closest I would get. Well, right. But generally, I'm like several hours early because I work super well at the airport, so I go there. Yeah, you get there, you like get something to eat after you find your gate, like you have something to drink because you like to drink, maybe. You pull, I don't know. You pull your you jukebox might, out, you do me. like a small show for a few people. Like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's like, yeah, whatever you're into. I mean, and it's it's like a really understandable trope for traveling to be a chore in in 2016 ever since you know the rise of the TSA they don't really do a lot to make it feel like a fun experience yeah but like all things you have agency in that moment so much agency and so you can kind of take back that experience i found at least <laughs> same fuck yeah you can thrive in it baby you can thrive. and let me give an aside which is <laughs> sorry this is Grant. so built up now this is my my travel hack for the co- fucking conversation and not travel hack it's, it's travel system it's your travel life hack. travel life hack oh god oh, no. tragedy no but one thing i found very useful is just bringing a garbage bag with me and when i have dirty clothes i put them in the garbage bag i do the same thing <laughs> i yes. totally do Queen Whitney. I'm like very <laughs> obsessive over my packing for a work trip because no like kidding. my clothes are specific because yeah. I'm teaching. So I have to be like, you know, Bring I have, you're to, on. Be you on have to be on. I'm like getting to the hotel. I, I'm not going to lie. Last one. Okay. So like a lot of the guys that I work with are a bunch of like rockabilly, like Latino boys. And I, I don't fucking iron my clothes. I'm like, I need you to iron my clothes. Because, you know, they iron fucking everything. Like, yeah. everything is pressed. Like, the underwear is pressed. Yes. I'm like, listen, I need you to iron my clothes. Because, so I had him come up to my room and iron my clothes, and I put them all away. But I'm going to, my girlfriend does my ironing, so now i got to learn how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a steamer, and I, like, touch it up. But, like, oh, wow. I've got those in, like, wardrobe bags. Oh, wow. <laughs> Like things are in their compartments. It's organized by day. Yeah, wow. it is like on lock. Yeah, that's life imitating art, right? The I just like organization. angles, organization, straight lines, obsession. O C D. Yeah, like, I mean no that's other. what we're dancing around, and I high five in there. Thank air. you, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. You seemed hesitant. Uh, <laughs> Most, I'm not sure. Like, yeah. okay, well, I came at you with like an air high five there. I was a little. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I misread. But I do feel like what I've been dancing around is like we have similar levels of OCD. Oh, for sure. Respect. I feel like most creatives do, right? Like, There's a level of obsession. I think. Yeah, I think we, we touched on that maybe. originally. I think slightly, slightly. I mean, people can have more compulsive tendencies. In, I think that's like the, maybe the difference with you two, not to like cast no, it's okay. that sort of word onto you guys. But there's like a compulsive level. There's the, the OC relationship. <laughs> great Aww. program by the way um <laughs> oh my god fantastic program the compulsive nature did might... you watch the oc side note ah uh, duh okay cool. i mean we all did though well i hope i saw the dvds <laughs> me too they're literally <laughs> oh, they're, not, they're yeah, feet yeah, away level. from us right now they Maybe are outside like, of the studio at some point oh watch my do god a recap. just saying i will watch that with you what how does your lady us? friend feel about it What's that? How's your lady friend feel about the OC? I don't know if she ever watched it. Let's get her in the mix. All right. yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Done. You two Plans were the hood girls who are, we originally talked about the OC oh, man. so many years yes, ago. Yes, we did. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Former guests. So 
Where was I? What was I talking about again? Oh uh, yeah, the, obsessive. The, and... the C in OC, the the compulsive, compulsive level. I think that's maybe what brings it into your life in general. That where the the lines between your art and your day to day start to blur. But I think there is some level of obsessive quality to everyone who wants to strive to be a really good artist. This is exactly what I was talking about when we're talking about canvas, and what I was saying is it's the. Well, not for everyone, but at least in this conversation, it is the artistry, you could say compulsion, but it is the level of energy, attention, and I would say passion. Because there is a different level of just like a cold-hearted, like, you know, pure energy. And then there is like, I think, an artistry, which I th- like contains more, I don't want to say love, but... Passion. Yeah, passion, open-mindedness, like... Warmth. Warmth, in general. yeah, warmth for the medium, for the canvas, and that could be applied. That's why, like, I think of Whitney, and perhaps you're—I mean, you're pretty committed to the thing you're doing. But I would have no doubt that you could succeed in all sorts of other disciplines, all sorts of other mediums, all sorts of other canvasi, canvai. Yeah, why not? Canvai, let's do it. I'm in. Is I'm that in. the? It's canvases, but. Canvases. <laughs> yeah, it's a Canvai feels good construction. though. Doesn't Canvai feel good to you? It feels great. It feels. I, I I'm like in it. on it. Thank you. And if Whitney's in, I'm I'm doubly in. Um, Perfect. What a, it's been a really amazing conversation so far. So I'll just take a quick opportunity to thank you for making the time. Oh, Shouts out. Thank Shouts you out. for having it's me. Really, it's been a lot of fun too. Uh, we do have two questions for you though. Okay. Kind of wrap things. Couple up. of quests. The first one. Okay. I'm gonna ask the first one first. Uh, I don't know. I need to take a drink. Hold on. All right. Please hold. Please hold. Everybody drinking but me. So I'm talking so there's no dead air. Perfect. A true radio professional. (laughs) That didn't get awkward. A podcast pro. I avoided that. Um, How can our listeners support you, Whitney? Mm. Oh, wow. Um, I would ask not more, not necessarily like supporting me, but the industry and the understanding of the art behind it. Um, just because, and I feel very honored, like, for this conversation, and I had a piece that was, like, an art show recently, that people are seeing haircutting as an art because it's it's not, that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, just become over time, especially men's hair, you know? So... I think more than anything, it's just like the understanding of the craft that comes within that. See the art. And that, what a generous answer, too. And, but, but also a, a, a good answer. Helpful. It makes sense to appreciate not only you, but artists like you. A greater understanding of the medium is really going to be beneficial. I mean, and see people's art. Like when people are acting artistically see it and it doesn't just it, I mean it doesn't even just apply to specific crafts I mean there's so many things where people are being artistic and so appreciating that is fucking helpful for everybody and just passion too like I'm a big believer in like I don't want anyone to do anything for me whether it's like changing your oil or like dry cleaner or something like that if you don't love what you do I don't want to be involved because it comes out in it. So like, it's just about like integrity and people being passionate and things and appreciating people's passion, even if you don't understand it. Mm. Great advice. Hell yeah. Cool. Uh, You have another question for us? I do have exactly one more. Precisely. (laughs) One more question from Vince Kochi. If you'd like our listeners to take one thing away from your time on our show, what would you want that to be? Hmm. Hmm. I know mm. now. Now you've run into the thing where your first question was so altruistic. Oh shit! That's a lot of pressure. That you have to even be more altruistic with your second. And response. if you're not, then it'll ruin the episode, and <laughs> oh, we'll probably never release it. We'll delete it. No, All right. Well, no. Uh, well now we just, the pressure's back off. Should we call it? Should we? <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna go. So. So what was the question, Vince? One thing. One thing. Take it away from. And the, show. the conversation was about canvas artistry in general how your medium shapes your art and how you see art in everything i guess more or less um just because i touched on like the art part of it so something for people to take away is um that you should always 
go into something without expectations. So you might have an idea that like, I want X, Y, and Z, but that doesn't mean it's right for you. Um, so more or less just like trusting someone's craft, you know, if, you know, it's warranted, of course, to a certain extent. Mm. Um, and being open-minded in that respect. Well said. I think I'm reminded of something that you mentioned earlier in the episode, which was that you can understand that something is a certain way, but you have to understand why it's a certain way to truly understand it. It sounds kind of straightforward when you put it like that, but part of coming in without preconceptions and prejudices is understanding why you want the things you want and understanding why you're going to the person that you're going to. And if you understand, if you're honest with yourself about both sides of that transaction, I think there grows a level of trust that you can have in the artist. And that's what I think would probably produce a good result. Well, the best result, I think that, I think that is the key of that whole conversation is looking for the best result. Almost, almost objectively, it is a very subjective thing, but really that's, I think something that's so applicable to everyone's life, whether that's a discipline, a craft or an art, but it is like finding the best fit and is sort of maximizing, but in a really beautiful way. So thank you, Whitney, for doing really dope work for maximizing, for making these canvi so beautiful. Canvi, was that the correct yeah, exactly. pluralization yeah, no, of canvas? Yeah, I think referencing back that, yes, indeed, that's true. Uh, yeah, and, and thanks for being so generous with, with your insight. It's I, I wonder really if, she, if she signs off her... Well, actually, I know she doesn't, but maybe she'll start doing this. So we end this show in a particular way every time, and you might want to... You can steal. You know what? We're gonna go ahead and give you permission to steal this if you want to end please, every haircut <laughs> with this. Uh, but we ask our guests to say "ship it." That's our mantra. That's our mantra. At the end of every show, we ship it. I wonder if you could do the same. I well, first we'll say thank you so much for having me. Shouts out! Shouts out! Definitely a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, go ahead, ship it. Okay.